Um, today's readings from Daniel. It's page 883 on your church Bibles, and it's Daniel 1, verses 1 to 7. In the third year of the reign of Jehokim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehokim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These were carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the, and the nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He, w- he was to teach them to serve in the king's palace. He, the, uh, he was to teach them the language and the literate, literate of the Babylonians. The king assigned them with a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Haniah, Michelle, and Azirah. The, king, the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belthazar. To Haniah, Shadrach. To Michelle, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Can I say, it's nice to be here again. Um, it, it's always nice, because lots of you say, I haven't seen you in ages. Um, and uh, I, I think to myself, you must either have kind of short memories, because I come most Sunday nights, but, uh, <laughs> or it's that I'm slimming down and harder to see, so you never know. It's pretty not that. So, um, just to say, uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm Paddy. Uh, I'm now pastor at Cornerstone, which is our uh, church um, that we've set up in Tame, and it's uh, been a real pleasure to, to be a part of that. And uh, just to encourage you, uh, we've now got... I think it's nine baptisms on Sunday. I've had some more come out in the week. And um, five new people at church this morning. So thank you for your prayers for that. I'm not saying that to show off. I'm uh, just very proud uh, of the work we're doing uh, down there. So thank you for, for your thoughts and prayers. Um, how are you in a crisis? Uh, when, when bad stuff happens, uh, how are you? Um, I'll tell you briefly about mine. Then we're going to watch a little video clip to give you some ideas, maybe. Um, there's a pattern that emerges. Um, when Claire uh, nudged me uh, this third time and said, uh, I think Lily's coming, um, I did respond as I normally do, which was I rushed around the house and said to Claire, you sort yourself out, I'm going to do this. And I got into a bit of a panic and I ran and I picked up the bag we prepared. I went into the kitchen and just emptied all the junk food I could find into the bag. I ran out and I chucked it in the car, ran back in, picked up some blankets, just running around the house crazy, chucked it in the car, got in the car, turned the key, drove as fast as I could in reverse out the drive and I realised I hadn't got Claire. That was <laughs> gen- genuinely, uh, was a little bit, little bit focused on the problem. Uh, slightly more seriously, but... but I remember when I was doing adventures here, and uh, I got a, a dreaded phone call uh, that I'm not going to make light of. My brother phoned me up and said, uh, Daniel, uh, my brother Daniel phoned me up and said, um, Paddy, just let you know, Dad's got cancer. It looks quite serious. I was doing adventures, and I remember just couldn't think of anything else. I was in the middle of dodgeball. I think I literally just threw a ball at one of the kids, ran to Val and said, I'm going, and I, and I left. Uh, Val was very good about it, but I, I just couldn't, couldn't deal with it. It was just, it was about me. Um, similarly, when I was at Spring Harvest um, just last year, and uh, I was getting ready to do my first ever little seminar there, and Claire phoned up and said, um, Noah's not breathing properly, he's having a fit. Um, don't worry, he gets happier. Um, 
just panicked. Uh, Hannah Clark was helping. I said, Hannah, Hannah, you're going to have to do it. Hannah was like, what? <laughs> I hadn't told her why. I think she just thought that I was suddenly very nervous. And I went running out and I realised that I hadn't asked Claire where she was. So I was literally running around Spring Harvest uh, in Skegness, um, just telling everyone I could to call an ambulance. Uh, six, actually, genuinely, six turned up. And uh, the team had been very strict that if you had to call an ambulance, there was a number to call. And yet I just forgot all of that. And I was running around saying, have you seen a child who's having a fit? And everyone's kind of going, no. <laughs> and then we managed to... And it was just, I didn't think it through. I didn't have a long term. It was just about the incident. And it was a... a, a, a I don't know if that echoes with some of you. That's, that's me in a crisis. Um, sometimes I'm very calm, but, but that's me. Uh, we're going to watch a little clip from a film called Bruce Almighty. Um, he's reached a point of crisis. And you're going to see a number of responses. Uh, the question I'm going to ask you to kind of talk with each other about is um, which, which of kind of Bruce's responses to the crisis uh, do you recognise in yourself? So which of the responses you see kind of Bruce having in these little clip uh, do you recognise in yourself? If you don't recognise any of them, then feel free to say why. But let's uh, watch this because time is against us tonight. So hopefully this will work. Technology, let's do it. So. Well done, Tick Team. Uh, that's good. Uh, just have a little chat with you. Just for uh, literally a minute or two. Uh, any of those responses that you recognise? Obviously, they're magnified for film, but you can kind of figure out. Any of those responses to crisis do you recognise? If you don't recognise any of them, maybe you could share actually how you are in a crisis. What is it that you share? Just where you are. If you don't want to share, feel free to opt out. Um, just think about yourself. Um, that'd be great. So just where you are, just have a little chat. If you've got young people around, do feel free to engage them uh, and help them to kind of say their thing. You might be surprised.
Okay. Okay, okay. Good, excellent. Uh, we haven't got a, a raving mic today, but um, I'll, I'll pick some out, and uh, you can either kind of just nod your head surreptitiously if you don't like to be seen, or maybe give me a little wave if you kind of recognise some of it yourself, or feel free just to sit there with your arms folded and just make me guess. So, uh, uh, in the clip, we saw a number of things. Uh, we saw when bad things happened, we saw uh, Bruce get very angry um, at lots of things, at life, at uh, kind of the situation he was in, at dropping the beads, uh, and ultimately at God, he got very angry. Um, this is quite a personal one. You can do a bit of a blink if you want. Or kind of a, uh, some of you? No? No, it's difficult to tell. Um, maybe, maybe you're much better a man than me. Uh, okay, let's, let's, let's kind of move on. This is pretty, pretty personal. Uh, there was a sense of, okay, I'll do things your way. You become quite a bargainer, as if you suddenly have this position with God where you have the right to say to him, well, actually, your plan is not as good as my plan, God, so maybe we could... Go on to my plan. Maybe that's you. You're kind of, no, none of you. Uh, yeah. There was a bit where, where Bruce, in the minute of crisis, became totally absorbed in his own life. Uh, and there were various points where he was asking God to do stuff. And you, you could say, in a quite a subtle way, God was doing things. There was a big road sign truck, you know, that said, caution, stop, don't keep going. And he was like, what's this guy doing? And then he crashed. I mean, uh, maybe that's you. When, when crisis comes, a bit like me, uh, it just becomes about me. I'm just really into my own little life and I can't deal with it. And, you know, I kind of just, no, none of you. It's just, it's just me. I'll take the nervous laughter as a sign that we're in the right kind of ballpark. Um, and uh, it could be that some of you actually pray. I mean, let's give him credit. Bruce prayed at the start. It was quite a funny prayer. Uh, but m- maybe some of you turn to prayer that that's, you know, to be encouraged and, and to, to, you know, seek. You know, some of you have been praying a long time about that unexpected crisis and it feels like you haven't got anywhere. And, and that's, that's tough. You know, we just want to acknowledge that. But I'm going to try and uh, challenge you to, uh, as I kind of talked about with, with Claire when I hadn't thought about the long game today, to, to trust in a God that sees the end from the beginning. And for those of you here who want to, to grow your faith, part of me, without trying to sound twee about it, wants to say that, actually, how does your faith grow without it being stretched? I'll say it all the time, how does your faith grow without it being stretched? You know, sometimes the head knowledge that we, we read, and, and some of you read God's word well, Sometimes it's only when it's really lived and when it's painfully lived and when you feel like you've reached the end of yourself is where you start to, to see God at work, maybe. Um, and actually, for, for God's people, this time you're going to read about in Daniel was a time where their faith was stretched. It was really stretched. And the sad thing is, is that initially I was quite keen to do the March post because some of the, I don't know if you've read Daniel. Daniel is a marvellous book. Some of you know about the lion's den. I tell you what, it gets more mind-blowing than that. I recommend going home reading Daniel. Um, I get to do the intro bit, the bit at the very beginning, uh, and then I get to stop before I, I do that, which is exciting, because hopefully you're going to go away and read it, and then come back to the rest of the pulses and, and hear about it. But let's, let's have a little look at our passage, uh, and today I want to try and give you a little memory hook, just for the next kind of uh, few minutes or so. Uh, dealing with the unexpected, Daniel uh, 1, 1 to 7. Uh, when you face the unexpected, do the unexpected. If you're taking notes, I recommend writing that down. Uh, when you face the unexpected... Do the unexpected. Okay, that's what I want you to try and do. Can you just tell someone near you? I know it's a very cheesy thing, but we do have Rene with us, and I know that sometimes churches in America do this. Tell your neighbour, when you face the unexpected, do the unexpected. Just tell someone. Tell him. Hopefully that will help you to remember it, and uh, we're going to see uh, we're gonna see that today. So, when you face the unexpected, do the unexpected. Our passage says, 
Our passage said, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. For us reading this, you have no idea what a big deal this is. We read it lightly and we read it, read it quickly. Do you realize what a big deal this was? Tales of the unexpected. There were people who believed that when God had said, David's line will continue forever and the land I've given you is yours. There were people who believed and prophets still in the nation saying, well, no one's ever going to capture us. This is forever. This is for good. We've done slavery in Egypt. We're now a people in a promised land. Nothing is going to happen to us. As armies came, they said nothing will happen. And, and amazingly, quite early on, kind of about 605 BC, there was a bit where Nebuchadnezzar arrived, having kind of battled Egypt, and then turned back because his father was ill. Some people saw it as a miraculous rescue of God's people. They said, see, nothing can harm us. This is a big deal for God's people, because when you read the next bit, it says this. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim of Judah into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. This is a massive deal. This is a massive deal because for people that have been saying peace and peace and this is going to be fine, suddenly the enemy is not just at the gate but in the gate. And not just in the gate but in the temple. The place where God was meant to dwell with his people. Not just any God, the one true God. And he took some of God's things back to his own temples. And what was being said was, your God is no God at all. Our God is the one God. Think how mind-blowing that was for a people who had been told, peace, 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 plenty, 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 you are the people of covenant, the people of promise. Your whole world literally has come to an end. These he carried off into the temple of his God in Babylonia. For God's people, especially those that were carried away, this early little group, this is disaster. What do you do? Everything you've been raised with, every promise you've been told, seems to have been broken. Suddenly, you are broken. What do you do when everything you thought and hoped for in your Christian walk, in your family walk, what do you do? Well, I want to try and challenge you today. When you face the unexpected, do the unexpected. We're going to see uh, and start to glimpse uh, about what's going on. I want to try and focus in, though, on, on a little tiny passage of this. Really, really key. It says, and the Lord delivered Jehoiakim. This wasn't an accident. This wasn't some kind of just misfortunate thing. The word Lord or Adonai here means sovereign Lord, a God who is in control. This is a God who had said in other times and promised in other places that this would happen if the people didn't live faithfully for him. Because the covenant worked both ways. God would be their God. They would be his people. Worship no other idols. They worshipped every idol they could. Trust in God alone. They trusted in earthly allies and deals to get safe. Everything from their side was broken. And God had kept saying, and there's going to be a point, there's going to be a point where it will no longer be peace. Turn and turn and turn back to me. I'm a gracious God, but I'm a God who is full of judgment. These things work together. What's more amazing is if you've got a little Bible, um, Isaiah 39, you can have a little flick uh, when you get home, partly because of time. But there's one of my favourite Bible stories ever. There is a nightmare of a king called Hezekiah. And when Babylon is starting to get kind of powerful, uh, Hezekiah gets ill and then recovers kind of miraculously. And um, some of the Babylon kind of envoys see an opportunity. They send him a letter and a gift and they say, can we come and check out your crib? Can we have a little look around your house? And he's full of pride and he says, yeah, absolutely, come and have a look. And he shows them all the treasure he's got in the little treasure house. And he shows them the riches of the place. Shows them all the people that could be theirs if they came and took it. 
And Isaiah comes and says, uh, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I've just been showing our Babylonian friends around. And Isaiah says, well, what did you show them? He says, I showed them everything. All the treasure that could be theirs if they came and took it, and all the people that could be their slaves, and I showed them our defences where they could attack, and I showed them everything. And Isaiah went, oh no. Uh, some of your children are going to be taken by these people, and, and people from your bloodline will be kept in captivity. And, and this is a disaster for God's people, because you trust in earthly allies more than you do God. And Hezekiah, who is a horrible man, says one of the greatest lines in the whole of the Bible, this is a good message. It doesn't happen to me, it happens to them. You can read it. He's pleased that judgment's coming after his life. What a nightmare. You can read in other places, it's not just Isaiah. Time and time again, people prophesy that this is going to happen. Nothing is unexpected for God. For some of you who are starting to think, oh man, God's plan seems to have been lost somewhere and something else is happening. God is a sovereign God. God is a God who is in control. Your faith grows when it's stretched. So a good prayer is, Father God, show me the patience I need to deal with this. And Father God, show me what you want me to learn in this. And Father God, I trust you that though this might just be one of those things in life that happens, it could also be a time where because you are good and sovereign, you can use it for my good. Because time and time again in the Bible, we're told to to, to show our faith in suffering, to live in such a way it makes a difference. Expect the unexpected, because actually, for God, nothing's unexpected. This was no plan B. More than that, I want to try and encourage us now as we come to a close. Uh, if you can turn to Jeremiah 29, these are some words, because rather than me trying to make up, what would I say to people in this situation? We can read a prophet who wrote a letter to those that were taken to Babylon. And I'm going to try and save myself some work by rather than me guessing, saying, well, this is what Jeremiah said. This is what Jeremiah said. So Jeremiah 29, 4 to 7. Um, Jeremiah writes a letter to those who have been carried to uh, exile into Babylon, including Daniel. Uh, and it says, this is what the Lord Almighty, Jeremiah 29, 4, says. The God of Israel says to all those I carried, I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increasing number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Words to God's people taken into exile. It's maybe not what you would expect. Can you imagine the words? Fight, fight with all your might. You know, stick the knife in wherever you can. Be terrible workers. Bring down the nation from the inside. Actually, this is maybe doing the unexpected. It's a, an interesting. Why would you say that? You could say it's a little bit canny. One day you're coming out of there. Don't just decrease in number. Don't be broken so much that you give up. Keep fighting. One day... God's got a hope for you. But more than that, I think there's a sense of actually, this is a good challenge to, to keep living. And to keep living for God in a foreign land. To keep doing what you did. To not just get so inwardly focused on the problems I'm having and the troubles I'm in. To actually say, well actually I can still follow God in the small things. The prophet Isaiah, Jeremiah sorry, gives advice about who you listen to in those times. I would say that to some of you as well. If you're in times of trial, be very careful who you listen to. Job's a good example. Pick your mates very carefully when you're in trouble. He says, just be wary of of listening to the word of God. But he says, this is a word of God for you guys in exile. Live for God. And bless the situation you're in. And that's a challenge, isn't it? For for God's people, their whole world had been ruined. Their land had gone. They they never hoped to return. And Jeremiah gives this advice. And and, I don't want to go too much in it, partly for time today. But I want to try and encourage you to think about what does that mean for you? 
Because some of you have been taken to a foreign land, a place where you feel like this wasn't expected, and you've just sat down and you've wept. And that's fine for some time. But there's, there's a time to, to, to live for God, to show your faith makes a difference, even in that. And if you can't do it alone, find someone that can help pick you up. Find someone that can help lift you on your feet. Find someone that can spur you on and say, actually, with God's strength, you can do this. Try and build relationships that give you joy. Try and find joy in the small things in times of trial. In, in the fellowship of the church, in people that will love you to the end. But more than that, find your, your, your joy and your hope in a God who is sovereign, who hasn't abandoned you. Where there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And this is where it gets kind of more exciting as we finish on Jesus, as one of my good friends always tells me to do. Just, just turn slightly later on in Jeremiah uh, 29 to 10 to 14. Let's just have a little look um, at this together. Jeremiah 29, this is where we're going to finish today, uh, 10 to 14. These are some great words of hope for people in the unexpected times. This is what the Lord says, verse 10. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What a hope for God's people in captivity. What a hope for us as we can try and seek to live that for ourselves. But, but more than that, can I encourage you? Little Daniel was taken to a big place. A place of power and yet he made an impact. His friends made an impact in that place. Part of God's covenant had been that God's people would be a blessing to all nations and Daniel was a blessing in that place. God's covenant sustained through it. Daniel made some amazing challenges to the leadership there. He became a very important man when we read it through in Daniel. God hadn't abandoned Daniel to exile. That was where his service was meant to be. Can I encourage you to look at these words? Can I encourage all of us too, as as a bit of a gospel challenge? Actually, the biggest thing you face is not what you think it is. The biggest challenge we face is that we are born apart from God. We are born apart from a God who is holy and pure, and we are born with a blood-born disease, which is that we live for ourselves and not for him. Can I challenge you that you have been taken into captivity by an enemy who wants to destroy you? And if you think Babylon's bad, that is nothing compared to someone that's described as an evil lion looking to devour you in 1 Peter. And can I challenge you that Jeremiah 29 says that there is a hope to be found in Jesus when we call out to him. And that whatever you face in this earth, trust me, as a challenge to you today, with God, doesn't make it go away, but, but with God, nothing separates you. And after this life is done, There's hope for God's people. 70 years past. They're they're at the beginning of a time of exile where they see an all-powerful army. How is it ever going to happen? I'll tell you this story. God raises up a foreign king who sends them home because God is sovereign. So trust in God. That's a brief start to Daniel. I hope that's helpful. When you face the unexpected, do the unexpected. Cling closer to God. Admit that when your faith is stretched, it starts to grow. And find someone to walk that journey with you. And maybe go home and read Jeremiah 29 and uh, make choice to follow God.